don't think that is the focus of the text. And I'll tell you why. It is important, and it is what you think it is. There's a lot of arguments about it not being homosexuality, but something else. I think it is homosexuality is the sin of Sodom. But I think the focus is Lot's compromise with the world, uh, just the world in general. And the reason I say that is because... As I was taking the text apart, just trying to study it, and I was reading some other things about uh, what other people might have said about this, uh, it just seems like Lot's compromise with the world keeps coming back into picture, back into the picture over and over again, even into what we're going to talk about next week, which is Lot and his daughters, which is the last time we're going to hear about Lot. It seems like... Lot is compromised. Now, the strange thing about it is in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Peter says Lot is a righteous man. Lot was a righteous man who was vexed daily by all the, uh, the wickedness that he saw around him. Um, I did some study on that word vexed. It, it could mean that he is... He's wore down. You know, he's just wore out. And it's almost like he chose to live in that world thinking, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain steadfast. But just over and over again, it just wore him out. It wore him down to where he was compromised. Doesn't mean, if it was not for the New Testament in Second Peter saying he was righteous and God actually saving him from the city before he destroyed it, I'd probably think Lot wasn't righteous and Lot wasn't a believer. Um, but he was a believer, but he was a believer that was compromised to the point where he wasn't engaging in the worldly stuff, but he was just, he was compromised to a point that was, uh, it's going to lead to destruction for him. I mean, he's going to end up with nothing, living in a cave, uh, and we'll see that next week. The last thing we talked about um, is God was going to investigate Sodom. Remember? Y'all with me? Okay. Feel free to talk. Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to do whatever. Um, where he's investigating, and what what is he looking for in the city? What's God say? Huh? Land. land. God's looking for land? No, no I thought you were talking about Lot. God no, Lot was looking, yeah, Lot was, the Lot. Ten righteous people. Yeah, or ten righteous people. God, Abraham whittled him down from 50 to 10. God said, I will spare the city if I can find ten righteous people in it. And so two angels, we didn't know they were angels. We're going to find out they're angels here in this text. But they went toward the city to go and to investigate. Abraham entertained these angels and God himself there at, at his camp. And he, uh, uh, gave him food and, and, and rest and they gave him the promise that but this time next year Sarah is going to have Sarah's going to have a son and now they're going toward going towards Sodom. Um, so let's just start in verse one. I'm gonna try to get through like 30 verses. So we're gonna try to get through quite a, a chunk here. Um, in verse one, it says, "And there came two angels to Sodom at even, which means at the evening. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground." Now, what you see here is Lot is the first time we saw Lot, he decided, "I'm going to move toward Sodom. I'm not gonna live in Sodom." I'm going to move towards Sodom and set my tents. Why did he move towards Sodom? Because the land couldn't sustain. Why did he pick Sodom rather than pick somewhere else? 
He said it looked good. You know, it looked good. It's plush. Abraham gave him the choice of picking whatever land he wanted. He picked towards Sodom. Then the next time we see Lot, where is he? He's smack dab in the middle of the city. Remember, the kings came and they took Lot prisoner because he was in Sodom. And Abraham had to go get him. And now we see him, he's sitting in the gate of the city, which means there, there's some, some people that take it, and this is very possible, that sitting in the gate of a city meant that you were uh, one of the elders of the city or an important person in the city. You see that in Ruth when Boaz comes to do his transaction with Ruth. He goes to the gate of the city and sits down with the elders and they do their thing as a kinsman redeemer. You also see it, you're going to see it in Genesis here, uh, Genesis uh, 33, I think, or 23, one of those two. Uh, so it's possible that Lot has risen to, you know, he's so comfortable there in the city that they have made him an important person, an elder maybe, or a civic, civic leader or something like that in the city of Sodom. So when they see when he sees the angels, he does exactly what Abraham did. Remember, he runs out to meet him. He bows down before him and he's going to offer them hospitality. Remember, hospitality is a moral issue at this time. Uh, he's going to offer them food. He's going to offer them the place to stay. And verse two says, he said, behold, now, my lords, turn in, I pray you into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and you shall rise early and go on your way. Uh, he was trying to get them in and get them out. He was hopefully he was hoping that they would come and get in his house uh, secretly, that he would give them the hospitality that was required and that they would get gone early in the morning and nobody would know it. And of course, the angels say, no, we will abide in the street all night. Basically, they were wanting to stay in the, in the city square and which was not really uncommon. If this city was a moral city, if it was like many cities in the ancient Near East, what would happen is visitors would come in and they would stay there in the city square and people People would come out and bring them food and, you know, they would take care of their needs just like Abraham had taken care of their needs. Um, and so they say, no, we're going to we're going to we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to stay out in the city square. We're going to stay out in the streets. Um, but Lot knows what will happen if they stay out in the street. It says, and he pressed upon them greatly. He says, he, he said, no, 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 no. Y'all need to come in. <laughs> Y'all really need to come inside my house. He pressed upon them greatly and they turned into him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread and they did eat. What is Lot afraid of? Of course, you, you know, if you know the story, you know what he's afraid of. What's Lot afraid of? <laughs> Y'all didn't want to say that, did you? Out loud. Yeah. Evidently, this was a common practice in this wicked city. Visitors would come in and they would get visited. They would be abused. Let's put it that way. They would be abused. Uh, so even before anything happens... Lot already knows, which leads me to believe, this is just speculation for me, so this is not, leads me to believe it was a common practice. Visitors come into the city, they got abused, and then they left. And so Lot is sitting out in the gate, and he sees some visitors, and he runs out and says, oh, okay, yeah, 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 come in my house. Lot is worried about, you see, even though the compromise, you, you got Lot, he's compromised. He's living in the city. We're going to see before this situation and in the next section is over, you're going to see that the city has done got in Lot. I mean, it's done got in him. It's done got in his family. Uh, but even though you still see his heart that he's worried about them. 
He doesn't know that they're angels. He doesn't know that they're sent by God. He's worried about their safety. And so he's trying to get them in, get them, uh, get them in secretly, quietly, get them out before anything happens because he knows what is going to happen to them if the people of the city, if the men of the city specifically, find out that they're there. Uh, you, you see Lot's heart in this. He is following the way of the Lord just like Abraham did. Although we're going to see that he is absolutely compromised. Um, and you're going to see his compromise here. He attempts to protect them when the men come for them, but it is so misguided and so it, it's just it's just wicked. I mean, you can't you can't get any can't get any other description than that. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, surrounded the house, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. That we may know them. That word, that's your word, ladies, that go to yada thing. There you go. He, that We may yada them. You know, they wanted to, they wanted to know them in a Intimate. biblical sense. Yeah. And they wanted to know them. Uh, notice that he makes sure that you see. You see how many times it was repeated? The men. All the men. All the men from every quarter of the city. It says in verse, verse 4, it says... The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. It's saying all the men of the city. I mean, this was not just a rogue group of guys that were out in the street at night, you know, uh, hunting for something wicked to do. This was not just a little gang that uh, tormented the city. This was all the men of the city from every quarter, old and young. I mean, this wickedness had spread through the entire. This was not just uh, some people that, you know, you can't really blame the whole city for just one or two people. This is the wickedness of the entire city. And it was a common practice, it would seem, that they would abuse the visitors, um, they would abuse the visitors that came uh, for their pleasure and then, you know, then send them on their way. And they came because somehow they found out Lot had snuck these guys into his house. Now, they came to know them. There are a lot of arguments, especially today. I've got at least, I, I wrote a thesis one time on a particular Greek word in the New Testament uh, referring to homosexuals. And um, there are, I had to read a lot of books about uh, different things, which is not altogether pleasant. Uh, but there are a lot of arguments about, no, this is not the sin of homosexuality. This is something else. This is, uh, they'd say the word no means uh, it's, uh, it was really that uh, Lot was a sojourner. He was uh, an alien. To, they're going to say this guy's an alien among us, a sojourner among us. And it wasn't his right to take men in without introducing them to all the people so the men could get to know them. Like get to know them means get to, get to know them rather than, you know get to know them, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, but that doesn't make sense that, huh? Yeah. That doesn't make sense in the context because it says, why would Lot, you're going to see here in a minute, Lot offers them his daughters who have not what? No. Known a man. So, I mean, does that mean, well, they don't know any guy, you know, the word no there has to mean the same as the word no to 
two sentences before. And if they just wanted to know them like hospitality, we just want to get to know you guys. Why would he offer his virgin daughter? No, you don't need to know them. Here's my virgin daughters. Go uh, get to know them. Y'all play cards all night. You know, that doesn't the, the whole thing doesn't make sense in the context. And so. He, the sin of these people was, it was exactly what you think it is. It's homosexuality, it's homosexual, uh, it's abusing them in that way. And the entire city was eat up with this particular sin. They were, and this is not, this is something you're going to see throughout history. Like you'll see it in Greek culture, Roman culture. I mean, it's pervasive all through history. So this is, we, we talk about it today like, oh, this is, but it's not new. It's not new at all. I mean, you go and read some of the annals of Alexander the Great and you're like, ah, I guess, you know, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And so, Lot is trying to protect them. But look how he does it. He says, uh, Lot went out the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not, do not so wickedly. Don't do this wicked thing. He tells them what they're about to do is wicked. But then he says, he says, first of all, let me show you, he's compromised. Because he's saying to them, hey, this is a wicked thing you're all about to do. But he calls them brethren. Like I'm one of you. Like I'm, I'm, you and I are brethren. We're brothers. We're the same don't do this wicked thing. So he is understanding and recognizing that this is a wicked thing that's about to take place. This is a wicked thing that they will do. He understands the city's wickedness. He understands the people's wickedness. But he chose to live there. He chose to dwell in the midst of wickedness. You could, you might not, you might can give him a little, give him a little room that he moved toward Sodom. You know, maybe he didn't realize. But after he's living in Sodom, he understands what's going on in the city. And then after they take him captive and Abraham comes and gets him, surely you could have said, look, Abe, I'm coming back with you. I'm not living in this city no more. Uh, he, he enjoyed living in the city. We'll see that here in a minute. That's not just something I'm making up. He loved living in the midst of this city. Maybe it was the materialism. Maybe it was the, the pleasures of the city. Maybe it was just the, you know, the, the status of living in the city. But whatever it was, something kept him there in the midst of this wickedness. So he could even say to them, look, brothers, you're my brothers. Please don't do this wicked thing. And instead of standing for the truth and standing against their wickedness and standing and saying this is wrong and you can't do it. What he does is offer them a different kind of wickedness to satisfy their wickedness. He says, behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray, you bring them out unto you that do, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Now, can you imagine? Daddy. Dad, look, there's Doug back here. You got your two daughters next to you. Two daughters. What would you think of Daddy if he hollered at the door? Let me just give you these two. It's going to, it's going, listen. This is going to be important because we're going to see an episode next time with Lot's two daughters. This is going to affect them. This is going to affect them. But notice what Lot's doing. He's taking his responsibility. He has a responsibility as a host to protect his guests. And that's a good thing. But he also has a responsibility as a father to protect his family. 
And he's placed his responsibility as a host above his responsibility as a family. And basically, instead of standing up and saying, look, this is wicked and I'm not going to allow this. You're going to have to go through me. You know, you're going to have to. I'm going to stand here and this is not going to happen. He offers them a different kind of wickedness to satisfy their wicked desires rather than just stand against them. Yes. Do you think he knew that they didn't want that and they wouldn't take that anyway? It's possible. It's possible. The only question that I, I have about that is why didn't, you know, if Lot is such a, if he's such an upstanding guy that, you know, wants to save, why didn't he offer himself? Mm. I mean, he's standing outside the door and they, they, want, they want a dude. No, I'm with you. I, I'm just curious because I'm like, maybe he's trying to throw up a bone that he knew they wouldn't take anyway. Well, it's, po- it's possible. I don't know that for sure. I don't know that sh- well, for sure. He not offer himself because during that time it was known that homosexuality was an, an abomination. Yeah, oh yeah. It was absolutely known. It was absolutely known. Uh, so he was offering them, he was offering them. But oh boy! <laughs> okay, okay. Is Lot's wife a, a sodomite, or did she go into? No, she went with him. Yeah, okay. and she's gonna see. We're gonna see her in love with Sodom as well. Okay. Um, what you need to see here is he is rather than standing against wickedness, he is trying to appease their wickedness. A wicked way. You see what I'm saying? He's trying, rather than condemn their wickedness, preach against their wickedness, call them to righteousness, he is trying to he is trying to give them something that's going to satisfy them. And you're going to see the effect that this has on his daughters. I mean, you can imagine it was wicked. Doug, to your point, whether whether they would have taken it or not, it was still wickedness. First of all, because. You know, we already know sex before marriage is wicked. Second of all, they were betrothed to two men in Sodom. You know, he's going to go to his his son-in-laws that are, are betrothed to his daughters. And that would that in itself would be considered adultery and would be a wicked thing. And for a father to give his, you know, you're going to see the same episode happen in Israel in Judges where uh, a, a Levite comes into the house and a guy gives a concubine rather than sending out the Levite. You're going to see Israel itself degenerate into such a state that they do the same thing that happens right here. Um, and so he is offering them, he's offering them wickedness in order to satiate their wickedness rather than standing up against the truth. Do you think Abraham would have sacrificed anybody in his family? He took up, he took up soldiers and ran after an army two or three times the size of his to get one of his relatives back that didn't even live in the camp with him. And so what you're seeing here is Lot is compromised. He is compromised and misguided. He is being, he's wore down by the, by the, the wickedness that he sees around him every day. I'm going back to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 that says Lot, Lot is a righteous man, but he was vexed day in and day out by the wickedness that he was uh, surrounded by. He has chosen to live amongst wickedness. He has compromised with the world, and now he is reaping the, uh, the result uh, of that. Uh, Verse 9, you're going to see the same thing that you see today. They said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn. He says, he's not even one of us. And he will needs be a judge. He said, this guy come in and he's trying to be a judge over us. He's telling us what we're doing is wicked. 
He says, now we will deal worse, worse with thee than with them. And they pressed so upon the man even Lot and came near to break the door. Now, what are they trying to do with Lot? Huh? <laughs> really know him. He said, they'll do, they're going to do worse to him. And so this mob turns on Lot. You need to understand this. The overarching principle I think we're going to see over and over again is that you and I as believers, we cannot compromise with the world. We can't, we can't, we can't offer wickedness in order to... We can't take the, the lesser of two evils. We can't compromise when something's wicked, or when something is evil, when something is against God. When you and I compromise with that, it always leads, it always leads to utter destruction, utter ruin. You're going to see that Lot, uh, I'll give you a heads up, in the next section of chapter 19... Lot is going to end up in a cave with nothing except his two daughters. He started out with land. He started out with people. He started out with herds and cattle. He started out with all this stuff, moved towards Sodom, got sucked into compromising with Sodom. And when he, when, at the end of Lot's life, we're, we're not even told when he dies. His death is not even recorded for us. But at the end of Lot's story, we're going to see after 19, he's never mentioned again. Uh, at the end of Lot's story, he ends up living in a cave with nothing. Because he compromised with the world, he compromised with uh, with wickedness and chose to chose to follow his own materialistic instincts, his own desires, his own whatever it is that he wanted instead of following the way of the Lord. Now, it says that he um, they they accuse him of judging. They say we're going to do worse. Who are you? Who are you to judge? Uh, they going to do worse to him. They go to grab him. They go to reach for him. And it says in verse uh, in verse ten, it says, "But the men, these are the angels inside, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them, shut the door, and they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door." Do you notice anything strange about that? That even though they were blind, they didn't stop. Yeah. Even even after blindness, they still want to get at the door. They still want to get at these visitors. They still want to get at Lot. They still, I mean, I think, I might, I don't know. I mean, their heart had been so turned over to wickedness, turned over to a reprobate mind. You see a picture of it in Romans chapter 1. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and God gave them up to what they desired. And they are so eat up with their own desires, with their own wants, with their own wicked needs, that even after blindness hits them, they're still wearying themselves trying to find the door, trying to find, trying to get into the house, trying to get, trying to satisfy this desire that's in them. Even after the blindness comes, I think, you know, I want to think that, you know, maybe you, you might get a hint after everybody in the crowds turn blind that, you know, what you're doing is wicked, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to it. All it does is makes them weary themselves trying to find door. And the, the picture you see is that you and I, we talk about the sin of Sodom. We talk about Romans 1 and being turned over to reprobate mind. But what you see here is a hardening of the heart that is so uh, deep and it's so, it's so ingrained in them that uh, they just have no, they have no... Very different at 
Huh? They're just indifferent. Yeah, they're they're indifferent to the judgment of God. I mean, this is a judgment of God on them that blindness all of a sudden hits everybody. And instead of falling to the ground, you know, my eyes, my eyes, they continue to try to satisfy their their desires. Now, you and I can think, wow, they what kind of people are those? But the reality is that we all have that within us. We have the sinful nature within us. And if it were not for the grace of God, you and I could be at the mercy of our own desires as well. You know, I hope you, you know, you ain't knocking at somebody's door wanting to know them, but you understand what I'm saying. You and I could just as easily be someone who has exchanged the truth of God for a lie and God turned them over to what they desire, turned them over to this reprobate mind. So what you're seeing here is a condition of humanity that has ter- been turned over by God, has been given to what it desires. It desires to go after, Jude says, to go after strange flesh and that is exactly what it's going to do and nothing's going to stand in its way. They are truly wicked. And so the angels pull him in. They're, they're still trying to find the door. They're enslaved to their sin. The angels look at Lot and they say, and the men said to Lot, haste thou, hast thou here any besides, he's talking about family, son-in-law, thy sons, thy daughters. He says, whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now the angels have revealed themselves to Lot. Now Lot knows these are not just visitors. These are not just guys wandering around that need protecting. These are the angels of the Lord. These are messengers of the Lord that he has sent. And they tell him, look, our mission is to destroy this city and we're going to destroy it. And so Lot goes, it says 14, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws. These were married, the words betrothed, to his daughters and said, up, get you out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. It says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. They thought he was joking. They didn't take him seriously that he came to them. Can you imagine? All right, you're Lot, and you've almost just got taken by this crowd. Angels, these two visitors have pulled you in the house. They struck the entire crowd with blindness. Now, one of the questions I have was, were these two men out in the crowd? And it's very possible that they could have been. I can't say that for sure, but it did say all men from every quarter, both young and old. So it's very possible that they were out in the crowd. And Lot Lot goes out or goes to them. I'm thinking he goes out of the house, finds those two son-in-laws who are blind. And, you know, he says, listen, God is going to destroy the city. God is about to judge the city. And they didn't take him seriously. Why do you think they didn't take him seriously? There's more than... A couple of reasons, and I can't know for sure. Why do you think? Because he wasn't like them. Um, you know, they were, as you said, they were of a reprobate mind. And, you know, even though he had become, you know, he was friends with them, he didn't do what they did. Yeah. So, because, and whoever you're around is, even if they're hanging around a bad crowd, you don't do what they do, that crowd tends not to trust you. Hmm. That's true. Do you think that if you can tell Lot has a conscience? Huh? You can tell Lot has a conscience. Lot definitely has a conscience. You know, and he knows right from wrong. I think it could be, and like I said, I don't know for sure. I think it could be that Lot has lived 
in such a compromised state in front of everybody that when he comes pronouncing the word of the Lord, judgment of the Lord, there's no reason to take him seriously. You've lived here in the city with us just as much. You've seen this going on day after day after day and you've never said nothing before. You've compromised. I mean, he has lived in such a way that has compromised with the world, compromised with wickedness, compromised. There's really no, no reason to believe him. I mean, there's no reason. Have you ever, you've met people that, you know, and it's not always, that's the go-to argument nowadays when you try to point out somebody's sin in a loving way. They'll say, well, I seen you doing it. You know, that, that's the go-to argument. But the point here is that he, he is not saying, you're a wicked guy. You knew you're going to, he's saying, come with me. Come with me because judgment's going to fall in the city. He's not saying you're evil and God's going to kill you. He's saying you need to escape with me. He's out of love saying, you know, come with me. Come with my family. We're leaving. We're leaving. God's going to destroy the city. You need to come with me. And they don't believe him. They don't believe that this man who has compromised in just about every way you can know to compromise with the world, they don't believe him when he comes with this true message of judgment. You can imagine he's frantic probably. He's probably scared out of his mind. He probably doesn't understand everything that's going on. And they just think he's nuts. Think he's crazy. It's a picture for us that when you, when you and I compromise with the world, you lose all credibility. You lose when when it, it's like the boy that cried wolf. You know when you when you when you uh, when you don't live what you believe. When it comes time for you to really make a stand and really be an influence in someone's life, you've compromised. You've compromised. The truth is still the truth, and God still saves, and they can still repent. But when we damage our testimony by compromising with the world, and compromising doesn't mean taking part. Lot did not take part in any of the wickedness. It says that in 2 Peter 2, verses 8 and 9. He was a righteous man, but that word vexed, he was vexed with the wickedness of the city, means he was just wore down. He was wore down with it. He was, you know, it just been going on day in and day out. But after a while, he just turned a blind eye. After a while, he just, you know, he just lived. He just lived his life and didn't worry about all that kind of stuff. He stopped saying anything about it. He started living a compromised life in the midst of all of this wickedness that was going on. And so they had no reason to believe. It. And so it says in uh, verse 15, it says, remember, the angels came at evening. All this took place overnight. And verse 15 says, And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. The angels say, It's time. Okay? You have, you have all, this is it. The time has come. Time's run out. Destruction is coming. You've got to get out now. You've got to leave now. Take your wife, take your daughters, uh, or you will be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And then verse 16, I, for the life of me, it says, And while he lingered, he hesitated. The men laid hold upon his hand and hold upon his wife hold, and his hand of his two daughters. The Lord, being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. Why in the world would Lot be lingering? Why would he be hesitating? I was hoping you could help me because I have no idea. Hesitating. He's lingering. He's, he's, I don't know. I don't know. It just shows, he shows the depths of his compromise. He doesn't want to leave. 
this, he did not want to abandon the wealth and comfort he enjoyed in Zion. Ah, that's probably exactly right. I, I know that's what his wife enjoyed. We're going to see that here in a minute. He just didn't want to go. He was too invested in the city. He was too, you know, he, you're going to see, I, I think he loved the city life. Uh, here in a minute, the angel's going to say, run to the mountains. And Lot says, I don't want to go to the mountains. Are you kidding? He is so compromised with wickedness, so compromised. Remember, I'm not saying he was taking part in the wickedness. I'm saying he was enjoying living with all the, the perks of all the city and all the stuff. And it didn't matter that it was wicked. Yes. Maybe he was in the closet. <coughs> what do you mean? Maybe he was doing what they No, I don't think so. Peter calls him a righteous man. So I don't think that's how... And plus, his wife's going to get turned to a pillar of salt here in just a minute. And so, he says... Uh, it says... and he, he, uh, his wife, While he lingered, the men held, kept hold of him. It says, being merciful, they grabbed him. The mercy of God grabbed hold of them and brought them outside of the city. Even Lot, after all of this, after men getting turned blind, after men trying to attack him, after the warning of God's judgment, the angels had to physically remove them because he was lingering and hesitating. And so it says, it came to pass, they brought him forth abroad that he said, the angel said to him, escape for your life. Look not behind thee, saying, don't turn back. Neither stay thou in all the plain. The plain is the place where these cities were. Remember, it wasn't just Sodom. It was Sodom, Gomorrah. It was four other cities. Remember the five cities? We talked about that when Abraham went to go and uh, uh, save Lot. He says, escape the plain. Escape to the mountain lest you be consumed. And Lot said unto him, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? He's worried about dying in the desert when you could die right there. Well, it's not just that. But I mean, understand the city is about to be destroyed. You've already been told that three times. The wickedness of the city has almost overtaken you. Remember, they tried to get him and the angels pulled him in the door. Um, he, he's already been compromised where his sons-in-law won't listen to him. He's already compromised in his heart so that he, he's hesitating and lingering. And now when the angels actually grab him and bring him outside of the city and say, run, get to the the mountains we're fixing to blow up this place he says oh i can't go to i mean he's bickering and whining about where his escape route is going to be i mean it just it the whole thing is beyond credulity it's it's beyond my understanding as to why lot is so enamored with this place and so enamored with with uh this life that he enjoyed he doesn't want to go live in the mountains he doesn't want to go live in solitude. He doesn't want to live in tents like Abraham's living. Look where he said. He says, Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. The name of the city uh, is Zoar, uh, which is what it means little one. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Is that not some grace? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was the angel, 
I'm like, you better be glad. I'm going to just lightning bolt you right here. Because after all this mess, after all this mess, you know, I had to actually bring you out here because you were hesitating. And now I've got you out of the city. I'm telling you to flee for your life. I'm fixing to rain down fire and brimstone. And you're bickering with me about where you want to go. And he is going to intercede for this city because he doesn't want to flee to the mountains. He's going to go to this little city and they agree to spare this little Sodom, this little city and not destroy it and destroy everything else. Remember it says I'm going to destroy the plain, I'm going to destroy everything. And he agrees not to destroy this little city that Lot's going to. Yes ma'am. It's amazing that you know, even though he's, he's doing all that and bickering and, and questioning and all that, that he's still like the one good family. Yeah, he, he's the one he's the one righteous guy. And that's what that's what I think that is that's what I wanted to bring out more than anything else is that if it was not for Second Peter, there's no way in the world you could convince me that Lot's a righteous man. There's no way in the world. I mean, there's no that he is not demonstrating any kind of righteousness whatsoever. But just because we see the outside, he is compromised with the world. He is, you know, we know from Peter that he is not partaking in the sin of the city, but he is compromised with it. And over and over again, you see grace shown to him, grace shown to him, mercy shown to him over and over again. It's almost like he's trying to get himself killed. I mean, he's trying to get himself judged. Every little whine, every little, every little detail, he is bickering and arguing and whining with. Yes, ma'am. Do you think that, uh, just like in Noah's case, do you think that God had grace and mercy on, on him because of Abraham? Absolutely. It's going to say that. Last verse in this chapter or in this section, and that's what that's what we're going to see is that God didn't spare Lot for Lot's sake. God spared Lot for Abraham's sake. Just like he did Noah. Just like he did Noah's family. That's exactly right. So it says he negotiates. <laughs> negotiates his escape route. That's amazing. <laughs> he says, Behold now, this city's, you know, let me let me run to this. I, we don't know why he wanted to, you know. <sighs> Who knows? Maybe he was scared that he wasn't able to make it before judgment fell. Maybe he was. Who, who knows? We don't know. Um, and he says, OK, I'm going to I'm going to spare this city. Zoar is the name of the city. The little one is what it means. Uh, I'm going to spare this city. And look what he says. Verse 22. Haste thee, hurry up and escape thither. The angel says, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar, which means little. He says, I cannot do, I cannot bring judgment until you get there. You understand? He's, it's almost like God has, remember Abraham, uh, not bickering, but negotiating with God. I'll spare the city for the sake of 50. I'll spare the city. Evidently, God has placed his protective hand upon Lot and upon Lot's family. The angel says, I can't do anything. So it's not a matter of Lot, you know, I don't know if I can get there before you rain down judgment. The angel says, I can't rain down judgment until you get to safety. When you get to safety, then judgment's going to fall. And so and that shows God's in control. God is in control and God's grace is upon, is upon Lot. 
Verse 23, the sun was risen. The morning has come. Remember the angels went at night. Over the night all this happened. The morning's come. When the sun was risen upon the earth, when Lot entered into Zoar. That's important. Remember that. Lot entered into Zoar. Got it? Where is Lot right now? He's in the city, in the city, in this little city, Zoar. And the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Y'all notice that when you're reading it? The Lord rained it from the Lord out of heaven. There's another picture of the Trinity there. Uh, He rained it from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew all those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. He not only destroyed the cities, he destroyed the people of the cities, he destroyed the plain that the cities were in and he destroyed all the grass that was on the plain. It was nothing but absolute destruction. It was destruction, black earth, fire and brimstone had destroyed it. Now, it says, verse 26, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. How many of y'all seen a movie depicting that? Of what Lot's wife? All the time, when you, see a, when you see a depiction of Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt, Lot and his family are rushing to escape and they're running, you know, running, running fast and fires falling down on the city and, and she looks back and poof, pillar of salt. Is that what happened? No. Where's Lot? They're in Zoar. Lot's in the city. So his wife is not just taking a peek back at Sodom. She stayed back and she's gazing at the city. She's looking at it. Lot and his daughters are in the city. They're in Zoar. And so, remember he said, I can't bring judgment until you get to the city. So if judgment is falling down and Lot's wife is looking back, it's not just a little peek back while she's running. She's gazing, longing for the city. She's looking back at all that she's left, all the things that she's uh, left behind and desiring to live back in the city. She's looking back and she turns into a pillar of salt. Now, there's lots of theories. We don't know, you know, maybe the the brimstone hitting, you know, turn her into salt or who knows. We know. But that's what happened to her. Now, if you look, I want to show you just um, one thing. In Luke chapter 17, I'm going to turn there and read this to you. You don't necessarily have to turn with me. Jesus gives us a glimpse into why she turned back. Gives us a glimpse into what was going through her head when she turned back and decided that she was longing to go back to the city. In Luke 17, verse 29, Jesus is talking about, excuse me, dang, about the coming judgment. He's talking about, you know, in the days of Noah, they are eating and drinking and the judgment came. And he says, verse, uh, verse 29 says, but the same day... Let me go back to 28. Likewise, as it it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed, in that day when he shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field... Let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Whoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. You see the illustration he's using? When the judgment comes and it's raining fire and brimstone, 
He says, don't come back to your house to get your stuff. Don't come back to your house to get all your stuff. He said, remember Lot's wife. And so we see a picture of what was going through her mind. What was she longing for back in the city? All of her junk. All her stuff. All her, you know, her life, her her materialism stuff, her her riches, her luxury, her 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 life in Sodom. You know, she wanted she Sodom had got into her heart. Sodom had got into her mind and she was longing for that. She won't go live in the mountains. Are you kidding? Forget that. We got a big old house in Sodom. She was longing for those kind of things. And that's why she turned back uh, expressly uh, defying the command that she was given not to turn back. And it wasn't just a peek over the shoulder like it wasn't like, you know, sometimes you, you, the picture is, you know, don't look back, like keep your eyes focused. And if you look back, you're going to turn. That wasn't the picture. The picture is don't turn back. They were already in the city and she waited. She waited. Yeah, she wasn't running for her life at all. She was desiring the city. She was looking back going, oh, I wish I had the city. And she turned into a pillar, pillar of salt. So the compromise of Lot seeped into his family. It doesn't just it doesn't just happen to him. When you and I compromise with wickedness, it affects your family as well. It affects your you're going to see this later. The sin of Sodom had gotten into his wife because he compromised because he chose to move towards Sodom and live in Sodom. It got into her. And you're going to see in the next section, chapter 19, it got into his daughters as well. And the whole family is basically going to be going to be destitute before it's over. Last thing, it says, um, And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. That's where he and the Lord were negotiating. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as a smoke of a furnace. What do you think Abraham's thinking? Lot's dead. Yeah, probably. Verse 29, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Lot. Is that what it says? God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities. God saved Lot because of the covenant that he made with Abraham. God saved Lot because of Abraham's intercession. Remember what Abraham said? Don't, you won't destroy the city if there's ten righteous. God said, I won't destroy the city if there's ten righteous. There weren't ten righteous. But still, God pulled the righteous out. He had to do it by force too. The angel had to grab Lot and take him. But he pulled Lot Lot and his family out of the city and then destroyed the city. In 2 Peter, write that down and go read it some of the time. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, 7, 8 and 9, it says, it talks about Lot being righteous, but his soul was vexed. And the next verse says, therefore God knows how to save his out of affliction. And so... I want you to see, more than anything, we know what the sin of Sodom was. There's a lot of arguments against it, but that most of them don't hold water. I think the point of the text for us is to see Lot's compromise. You cannot live compromised with the world and expect there to be no consequences. Expect there to be no, um, no consequences. Lot. Huh? What was the second Peter? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, uh, and right in there, 7, 8, 9. Um, he talks about Lot being righteous, but being vexed. And it says, and God knows how to save his own out of affliction. Um, 
You cannot live compromised. When you live compromising with the world, even though you can probably make a good argument for yourself saying, I'm not doing any of these things. It's not my fault. It's not me doing it. When you live compromised, when you live in the midst of it and you uh, and you are compromising with it in any way, shape or form, it affects you. It affects your family. It affects everything. At the end of Lot's life, we're going to see next time he ends up in a dank cave with his daughters who are sexually immoral because that's all. All they have ever seen is sexual immorality and they never heard their father speak against it. In fact, they heard their father offer them to the wicked. And so it affects everything. You can't live a compromised life. Lot himself was saved, but he lost everything. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all you've given us. Lord, we pray that you'd be with us.